So I'm Sophia. I'm Jules. And this is the Austin Archives. I have been a Janeite, as people are wont to call themselves, who follow the works of Jane Austen for, oh gosh, it's been a long time. Uh, the first memory I have of being introduced to Jane Austen was watching the VHS tapes of the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. With oh, Mom. nice. Oh, yeah, very nice. And uh, I forget some of the conversation that we had around it, but I just remember that my mom really liked the books and she was like, I think you'll like this too. It's really interesting. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, watching the DVDs one after another and being thoroughly engrossed by the dialogue and the story. And I've always been like a not so secret romantic and I just love a good you know, love story and just the way that love happens in Austin has always intrigued me and like the characters and the characterizations have always intrigued me as an author and so that started back in the day in 1995 I was five years old and have loved her ever since I'm now 29 it's been a long journey yeah, yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, I think my story is pretty similar. Uh, My mom, like, is to this day a huge romantic and loves Jane Austen. And so, like, I I don't actually remember a time where I didn't know Pride and Prejudice, like, existed. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so I feel like, I don't know, my mom's probably going to deny this if she ever hears me telling this story, but uh, I feel like she might have read me passages as, like, a very small child. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I also, like, watched uh, the the 1995 with Colin Firth, you know, Mm -hmm. the OG Darcy, in my opinion. Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, I watched it with her when I was also, I think, about four or five. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, you know, I've always been a huge bookworm, like, even as a little kid. So I think maybe fourth or fifth grade was when I first read the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, even though I, I could read it, I think my reading comprehension was, like, not great. So, it, like, every right. year, every couple years, I would reread it and, like, get more out of the book. And it's just, like... I can't quite quote passages from heart, but like, I can get pretty close. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I feel but, like I I'm, mean... I'm better at like Pride and Prejudice because I feel like that's that's been like the first one that I was introduced to and the first one that I feel like I want to come back to just because I have done so much rereading, like you were saying. Like, you know, I remember reading it at like 10 and like enjoying it, but not, I don't think I really got all of the juice of Austin from it until like later in high school and 
definitely like college and beyond. I've definitely got more and more out of it if it's as I've read Austin more. Yeah, and I think I think that's true for a lot of people that at least I've spoken to, you know, and it's weird because like Pride and Prejudice is like this gateway drug. <laughs> so real. But all of her other books are so good too. It's like there's not really one that I can point at and be like, oh yeah, that's like not great. You know, like I love all of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. yeah, and it definitely helped too growing up that my mom had this group of like close friends and they all love Jane Austen so they were always like every big milestone of my life they gave me Jane Austen books <laughs> so it's just like right? my bad habit was fed like graduating from like high school I had like the annotated copy of Sense and Sensibility and somebody gave me Lady Susan and just like uh, I've been yeah my habit has been enabled by many people in my life to the point where like my grandmother took me to England when I was 14 and we spent like an entire day in the Jane Austen Museum in Bath (laughs) yes I've been there nice I've also been to a couple of uh JASNA Jane Austen of North America groups around in the world I should go back they're really fun it's like hanging out with you know people who will nerd happily about Jane Austen and that's never a bad thing. Yeah, maybe we should take a trip to England and Ooh. just like hang out. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh, yeah. There's so much to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's a bit of our background. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll give a little bit background about the book, though I can't imagine anybody listening to this that doesn't already know but just like so we're all on the same page guys you never know just you know a reminder yeah yeah um so the book was written at the like last few years of the 18th century um it was originally an epistolary novel which means it was a series of letters back and forth um but at some point She basically scrapped all that, started all over in a narrative style, and it was her first book, which was published in 1811, Um, and I feel like this is just an important part that I want to, like, put out there because I think it's going to come up not only today, but, like, in future podcasts that we're talking about Sense and Sensibility, Um, but Eleanor is supposed to be 19 when the book starts, Mm -hmm. Marianne is supposed to be 16 and a half, and... Their youngest, always forgotten sister, Margaret, is supposed to be 13. Oh, Margaret. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> I hope not R.I.P., but like, <laughs> wherever you are, Margaret, <laughs> in most of these adaptations. She's off. She's living in the wilds of the forest at uh, Moreland. They've completely forgotten she existed. Though. Huh? That is what Margaret would be doing, like, off in the wilderness. Oh yeah, That's yeah, exactly. It's been a. Um, I was telling you this before, but I'll tell it to the podcast. It's been a. It's been a hot minute, slash a long time since I've actually read *Sense and Sensibility*. But this is what I know of Margaret. She was a very much like when I read it, I was just like, "Oh, I know this person because I am them." <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's definitely the thirteen-year-old I think we all wanted to be like yeah. growing up. 
just she was always constantly looking at maps and like wanting to be a world explorer and you know fight battles and just be a general badass yeah who wouldn't be that person so uh we are looking at sense and sensibility the 1971 version i believe from the the bbc and it was made into four parts and those four parts total just under three hours and some actresses that maybe you all know are uh, Joanna David, who plays Eleanor. Uh, we're, I'm gonna try to pronounce this person's name who played Marion. Kieran? Kieran? Yeah, Kieran or Kiaran. We, Kieran. I don't we hope you're, we're pronouncing your name right. Otherwise, <laughs> please let us know if you ever listen to this or if anybody knows. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to be providing a link for people to, like, send voice messages in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully somebody can either correct us or, like, you know, just agree <laughs> with us, maybe, and <laughs> validate us. <laughs> like, that is a strange-looking name. Um, yeah. Who else? Michael Aldridge, maybe you all know. I feel like I've seen him before. He was playing Sir John. There's some oh, other Sir John. Uh, Sir John. We'll get into Sir John. Yeah. I'm looking at the IMDB page. If any of you are curious and don't want to look it up yourself, or you're in a car and don't want to look it up yourself because you're aware that that's not maybe the best of choices. It yeah, has a 6.8 rating out of 10. If you are listening to this while you drive, please do not attempt to Google any of the things we say, not just because, you know, we want you to perceive us as always being right, but also please keep your eyes on the road. Yeah, please. We, we care about you, dear listeners. Set our scene. What right. does Jane say? Okay. So the quote we're starting with today is... Um, from Marianne, this happens in chapter 46 of the book. Um, if I could but know his heart, everything would become easy. Nice. And earlier you talked about your reasoning why you were including that quote. I would love us to talk about that again, because I think that was a fun, fun additive for our podcast today. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I picked that quote because I feel like a big theme throughout this adaptation in particular is that everybody, well, except for Eleanor, let's be real. She's a real OG, <laughs> um, is like concerned about themselves in a very basic way mm. and does not stop to think about the motivations of, you know, the people that all of this is going to be affecting. Um, like, they just look at it through a lens of, okay, what, well, like, this is how I feel. I don't really care how you feel. Um, and I feel like if they knew what was in everybody else's hearts, maybe a lot of the stuff that happened in the adaptation wouldn't have happened. <laughs> yes. I would agree. 
that kind of sums up sensibility right there. That oh, yeah. And that's the thing, too, I felt about this adaptation is that, like, there's not really a whole lot of sense. It's mostly the sensibility part. Like, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I wrote a lot about that in my, in my notes, which we'll get into. Adaptation. I thought it was delightful overall. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Like... I was like watching it with a bag of popcorn, like just like <laughs> munching through it. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm like a nervous eater. And so it's just like, yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. I absolutely like enjoyed it. I don't know if I would say it's the best adaptation of Sense and Sensibility I've seen, but it was definitely enjoyable. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't think I've ever been disappointed by a BBC adaptation. And this was definitely one of those, like, you know, there there was things about it that I was just like, okay, <laughs> interesting <laughs> choice here. But overall, I feel like I had a lot of fun. There was parts where I was just, like, really into it. And at one point, I was definitely also eating popcorn. So it's just a popcorn-eating flick. Yeah. It's so funny, though, that you say, you know, like, oh, God, when Marianne is sobbing, like, on the couch in the party on Eleanor. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was just, I... like, the secondhand embarrassment is real, you guys. Oh, my gosh. There's so much. Yeah. Um, one of my notes is about Marianne and being the most extra person. She is just loud and has a lot of embarrassing moments that yeah I was definitely feeling that secondhand embarrassment of like oh Marianne my dear please don't don't do this yeah and so, it's it's so difficult too because like in the book I know like yeah she is the most extra but she's also a product of her time and so like she's able to rein in like in the beginning the first part like when um, her brother John and Fanny are there and then Edward comes and like, you know, her mom is like trying to get her to be a little bit more welcoming to the guests and she's just like flat out refusing. Like in the book, she's definitely more polite and is more willing to like bend to society's expectations a little bit. Right. Um, but yeah, that is that actually that's one of the things like even though I almost died of secondhand embarrassment, let's be real. Um, I kind of appreciate it because like she is supposed to be 16 and a half and like mm. I know when I was 16 and a half like everything was the end of the world like I like wanted the earth to swallow me up like you know mm. I was just so convinced that this was the worst moment of my life yeah I mean I feel like that's a that's a pretty real feel for people of puberty teenage years you're just like these people are the worst why are people coming into my house Ugh. and this was like that Marianne and I was like all right I see you oh yeah I feel like all of the characters also were like the most dramatic <laughs> maybe except for Eleanor but like 
there was a times where Eleanor would be speaking. I was just like, is this Eleanor? Whoa. <laughs> like, there was a couple moments where she was, like, talking about how much she liked Edward Paris. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I definitely, like, and that's the thing, too, is that, like, Eleanor is, of course, the most even-tempered person in the whole thing. Which is, like, pretty true to form considering the book. But she's also, like, let's see, she goes to see Edward, like, and he's, like, not fully dressed. He's just in his white shirt and, like, breeches or whatever. And I was like, oh, God, Jane Austen is somewhere rolling over in her grave. Yeah, that was was a scene that happened. And then when he proposes to her and she's just like, wait, get up, and then puts a handkerchief down so that he can kneel without getting his pants muddy. Yeah. I was like, what is going on? What is this? Yeah, I I wrote about that. I'm just like, Eleanor stops Edward's proposal because the ground is wet. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. that That was the dramatic of Eleanor. Like... You know, it, it was one of those, I feel like she would, but why is she also? Yeah, yeah. And it's definitely, like, I don't know. I was It, like, kind of took me out of it for a minute. And I was like, huh, all right. And then, like, at the same time this is happening, and, like, Colonel Brandon decides it's his time to make a move, too. I'm just like... <laughs> yeah, I felt like the end was, like so fast like um and like the old Pride and Prejudice the um black and white one where we'll get into that but like I feel like most of that movie in this movie was is like plot 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 love and yeah and that's like kind of how this one was of like I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of build up to the proposal it was just kind of like this is happening yeah yeah especially because we go from marianne like basically it's like essentially hating colonel brandon to loving him in the space of like yeah 20 minutes yep and that is the thing i'll say and like i, I don't know how much we want to get into it because we'll definitely get into it in in like other episodes but Like, I think the modern adaptations do a much better job of pacing. Like, in general, I know that's not true for every modern adaptation, but, like, I don't know. I think there's something about period dramas from, like, the 20th century. Um, Especially, like, like, all of the ones I've seen that were made in, like, the 40s through the 80s. Like, that, like, 40-year period or whatever. It's just so... It's, like, just so badly, like, paced. Yeah. That's... I feel like that's so real. Like, I don't don't know who was in charge of making this, but they didn't think about all the things that need to happen. They were just like, oh, right, uh, love, oh, God, uh, uh, there it is. Another thing that I noticed was about Edward... So, um, like, one of my notes is, I can read it verbatim. 11 minutes in, 
And I feel like this movie cannot decide if Edward is awkward or not. He bumbles through poetry reading, and then a minute later, he's speaking eloquently. Update. I think the movie just does this thing where they remember he's supposed to be awkward for the last five minutes of him speaking. Yeah, and, like, his stutter, like, what? Okay, listen. The the passage in the book that they kind of, I think they almost rip it verbatim um, in the miniseries, but it he's he does talk about how he is sh- shy, but, right. like, he's still able to converse. You know, maybe it's a little stilted, but it's not like, I don't know where that stutter came from. Yeah, I feel like it was also one of those things of, like, I only noticed the stutter, like, again, like, very late into the end of whatever he was talking about. And also it seemed to come out a lot when he was feeling, like, nervous. Like when, um, oh, character names his brother slash the wife would be around and like enter the scene miscellaneously. Is this Ferris, right? Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, Fanny well, uh it's Fanny Dashwood, I guess, is his sister since she married John. Um and then Robert is the brother who (laughs) Lucy later marries. Right, yeah. I've always thought that that, I mean, it's nice that it makes sense plot-wise, but, like, we never find out about, like, where did they meet? Like, this has always been a question of mine. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, well, my question about her marrying Robert, at least in the miniseries, I'm going to be honest, I don't really remember how that resolves in the book, but, like, the mir- in the miniseries, at least, um, like, my big question is, okay, Edward got, dis- like, disowned, right, for being engaged to her, and then, but, like, Robert isn't disowned for marrying her? Yeah, I don't, that's never, I feel like, again, this is, I don't remember the book enough, and I don't remember all the all the bits and pieces of drama and the and the Ferris family, I guess. Yeah, but that is so strange. I don't know. Maybe there's something they're not telling us. Ooh, ooh. Jane, what's up? <laughs> I Call mean, yeah, definitely makes sense like plot wise, but just common sense wise, maybe not so much. There's so many interesting choices in this movie. Uh, we were talking about this early before we recorded, but one one of my favorite characters is Margaret. And, like, where is Margaret in this? We kind of talked about Margaret a little bit. But, like, still, where where's Margaret? I know, and that's it. You know, I feel like I've seen so many, like, Sense and Sensibility adaptations where they just, like, don't know what to do with her. So they just yeah. leave her out. That's true. And I feel like that's a huge disservice because in the beginning of the book, especially, like, that's a big reason why Eleanor starts to like Edward so much is because he's so good to her little sister. Yeah, I think that's, like, a huge plot point for sure. It's like, you know, we, we see Edward as this, like, kind of awkward, you know, 
guy and then like he interacts with the with the sister with margaret and like he he's a good dude he's so fun he like supports margaret's endeavors to like read maps and conquer the world great yeah and he like volunteers to be her first mate like on her pirate ship i forgot about that what a pure pure being yeah edward ferris you're the weird one yeah, I feel like he doesn't get enough love, like, because Darcy's just taken over, you know. Yeah, it's true. What do you, I feel like we've already been talking about this, but what do you like the most about Edward Ferris? I mean, honestly, and this is, this is, on, this is, like, kind of dumb, but. Sure. Uh, I like how. He's willing to, like... Because I know we talked about how Eleanor is really sensible, or, you know, in the terms of having sense. Um, But Edward also has that sense. And it's not necessarily clear in this adaptation, but in the book, like, he's willing to stay with Lucy because he made a promise to her and he's going to honor that promise. Right. You know, like, he, he tries to be a morally upright dude. Uh in a position where it's really hard to be a morally upright dude, but he does his best. And I, that is, I think what I like most about him is, is so like how hard he tries, Mm. you know? And I think that makes Eleanor like him even more, even though it sucks for her because she knows he's out of her reach for at least a good portion of the book. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I don't know. I'm like a huge sucker for, slow slow burn romantic things and I think that's like pretty much all of Austin's work is like that so I think that's that's always why I love a good Austin relationship and also like with Edward I would definitely agree like he's he's just like a genuinely sweet guy and like just wants to do his best for family but also for his heart and yeah I just like also love that he's just like an awkward little bean and I'm just like oh yay Edward (laughs) yeah no he's definitely he's a sweetheart and I appreciate him so true I also was thinking about, like, in terms of Jane Austen and adaptations, about, like, how dance and dancing is so central into the development of the plot in a lot of her novels. And I was trying to think in this 1971 adaptation, I'm only remembering, like, one ball slash dance. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm trying to remember too. Um, and yeah, there's only the one. There's only the one scene, and then there's that one party they go to. But I don't think there's any dancing there. Oh yeah. Okay. I think I'm remembering this. Yeah, because I feel like there was only one scene where I noticed them dancing, and it was also like very strangely shot like it was like there was a pillar 
in the way of the dancing, which I didn't get. Yeah. And that is... Let's see. Let's see. The, the way that this uh, miniseries is shot in general mm-hmm. is kind of strange for me. Like, it looks more like it's a stage play than a movie, but that could be just because I'm used to, like, you know, now in today's movies and TV shows, we get, like, a million different shots. Right. You know, there's, like, so many different cameras, and then I think in most of the scenes for at least this miniseries, there's only the one shot, or, like, two, if it's, like, two people talking kind of intimately, you know? Yeah. No, I'm... I didn't even think about that, but now that you said that, I I definitely can see that. You know, it does look very much like a a theatrical of Jane Austen. I wanted to talk about the script a little bit because I felt like, you know, a lot of the script is, you know, obviously based in the book, but. Mm-hmm. There are scenes where I feel like almost so they were like trying to modernize the language a little bit so it didn't seem so like old fashioned. (laughs) Um, But I almost feel like her dialogue was easier to follow in a lot of the scenes. Yeah. Like, because sometimes when Marianne is like crying on and on about whatever slight or disappointment she's experienced like her train of thought was kind of hard to follow and I like I mean I briefly skimmed over the book when we decided to do this but I don't remember her logic being hard to follow being a little bit silly or a lot bit silly um yeah that's definitely there but like I could follow how she got from like point a to point b Right. Yeah, I feel like my my issue with it was because Mary Ann was so extra. Like you were saying, like her reactions, I like I started to follow it, and then like part of my brain tuned out of it because I was just like, "Oh my god, Mary Ann, please calm calm down." Um. Yeah, I I think I would agree with like the script. I feel like followed some of Jane Austen's words and like the parts that didn't felt just like really clunky for whatever reasons. So I guess if we're really looking at like the major takeaways here, um, I like found it really enjoyable um, partly because it was so amusing, I guess is the word I'm going to use. Like, their hair was something I was continuously laughing at. Yeah. And like everybody's uh, the hair way... was real strange also. Oh yeah. Uh and then Mrs. Jenkins or not Jenkins, holy shit. <laughs> Mrs. Jennings. Uh yeah. she's an amazing character and I absolutely love her. And it's just like she's kind of treated so badly by Marianne, but she just I like know. takes it with a smile and I'm just like I want to hang out with you. (laughs) Right? I mean, her and um, Sir John. Like, I don't know what Sir John's accent was, number one. (laughs) Where was that supposed to be from? But, like, also, 
at the same time, it was like part of his delightful charm. It was just like, oh dear, oh hello, girls, how you doing? I was just like, <laughs> this is the best. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, just like and- makes every scene just like the most delightful, and I just had so much fun whenever he was in the same room as other characters. Oh yeah, and then uh, also. Oh my god, is Mary the name of their like servant woman? Uh, I I feel like I don't remember the name of her. I well, okay, so uh I feel bad about that because I don't really remember either, but I'm gonna say it's Mary and be wrong. Um but she was so funny to me because she was con- like constantly wanting to gossip <laughs> yeah. and like just could not read a room. <laughs> So, like, she starts talking about, like, Willoughby and, like, how he's engaged to this other woman. And Marianne, like, starts crying. And she's still continuing to try and talk about it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> yeah. People were really into the, the hot gossip in this adaptation. And, like, loudly discussing it also. Which was an interesting choice. Yeah. And I feel like... I don't know. It's so funny to me because I don't necessarily remember Eleanor being that into gossip, but she kind of like enjoys it in this adaptation. Yeah, which I thought was pretty funny. I would I would agree with a lot of the sentiments you shared. Like a lot of it, I felt was like overall okay and enjoyable, and a lot of parts were like very fun. But also a lot of like real strange choices of secondhand embarrassment. (laughs) Yeah, I think if I could go back in time and have a say as to what they do with this production, I'd probably say like, all right, let's like tone Marianne down like five notches, first of all. And let's get weird of that weird stutter or whatever you had Edward doing. Yeah. And uh, put Margaret in. Like, stop being cowards, you guys. Like, let's just put her in and have a grand old time because Margaret (laughs) deserves our love, too. Margaret, a chance. On a scale of Marianne's breakdown at the party to Mrs. Jennings' character. It'd be like, um, I'm going to read it. Mm, what am I gonna read? Like it's like a solid five and a half out of ten. Marion is giving me secondhand embarrassments. <laughs> I would I would agree with that. Yeah. So today's ending quote is I do above all things in this life value the company of lively and entertaining young people. Mrs. Jennings. Well, Mrs. Jennings, you sure got your wish. <laughs> yeah, you had uh, you had a lot of uh, young young friends giving you entertainment in this in this flick. So next week we will be talking about the 1981 miniseries. Of sense of sensibility, to be precise. <laughs> In case there's another 1981 miniseries that Jane Austen's done. 
Well, and if there is, we will definitely be talking about it at some yeah. point. We'll, we'll get back to it. Do not you fret, listeners. Yeah. So, like, and how just, much do you want to bet we're not going to get Margaret in that one either? Uh, I will bet that Margaret does not exist in this adaptation for sure. Yeah, that's sad. Little Margaret, we miss you. We'll see you whenever we get to, uh, is it the 1995 one that has, um, ah, yes, it is the 1995 one. And, and yeah. 